and welcome to the Press Matters podcast with me, Sam Hyde, and Toby Pisevet. Hello. Hello, Sam. Uh, this is the second episode of what we're going to call our Vengeance Trilogy. The second part is always the best. Uh, it's been a very, very newsworthy week of Premier League football. Lots of controversy, which I think we're going to get into right away. Uh, I'm obviously talking about the Liverpool Spurs match where Luis Diaz's goal to make it uh, 1-0 was ruled offside and it wasn't uh toby you are a liverpool fan uh how are you feeling after your week um obviously look we've had a we've had a break of a few days if we'd done this the day after i think i'd have been in a very different state um which you actually got to witness the brunt of um it wasn't pretty as of right now You've just got to laugh, really, I think. And hopefully lessons can be learnt, I think, is the big thing. What My biggest take... I, okay, it was a huge weekend of football. United lost. Man City lost. Arsenal won. So are you going to say? Arsenal won, yes. And I learnt from the game that... I don't think Spurs will be any of Liverpool's business this year. I think that's my biggest takeaway. And it's a shame how much a good game was ruined. If a good game is, is you know, justified to be ruined, I understand that you can't just say, well, we don't want to ruin this. But in this case, the amount of yellow cards, the amount of red cards... Uh, the referee lost control. The teams, I believe, will be fined for the amount of yellow cards for losing control. But the reality is, I don't think that the teams actually lost control at all. I think, actually, in the circumstances, Liverpool acquitted themselves pretty well and pretty calmly, taking the, the actual performance away from it, which was also very positive. Um but I actually think the ref lost control and it was a shame to see and it ruined what for the first 20 minutes looked like it'd be a fantastic game and a fantastic game we would get the better of. Yes, there are 11 yellow cards if you count Jota's two <laughs> yellow cards. Which also an independent, adjudicate, uh, an independent panel has uh, come out and said that neither of neither of the two should have been yellow cards. Yeah, that surprised me. Because the second one, it felt like, isn't something that they would be like, yeah, that was a mistake. The, the first one definitely is a mistake. The second one, you can kind of see why why they give it. Oh, 100%. 100% you can see why they give it. But it's actually not, you know, it's actually not anything anything there. Which is a shame, because it's it's... It's it was a game where you just feel like every fifty fifty is no longer a fifty fifty. And it was a game where Liverpool weren't you know, neither of the two teams were trying to kick lumps out of each other. Like there was no need for there to be the loss of control that there was. It was a physical it was a physical game. It was an intense duel, it was very end to end. It was like a a basketball game, you know, in a in a sense. Um, with lots of transitions either way, and we actually converted our sort of counterattacks into real chances for the first twenty minutes. And Spurs had some great moments, but they was just moments that didn't really get converted into um huge chances. I would say, in my personal opinion, um, and I think it, you know, and, and we can also talk about the red. I mean, we could talk about the red card. We could talk about the two yellow cards with the second red for Jota. We can talk about how Liverpool perform with 10, how Liverpool perform with 9. As I sort of said, my big takeaway is the fact that coming away from that game, having lost away from home to Spurs, I'm pretty confident in saying that they won't really be any of our business in the league table this year. I think we're, we're, we're strides ahead of them, as I'd expect us to be. Um, and that's not to take away from the job Ange is doing. Um, but... It was a game, it was the first time I've come away from a defeat to Spurs and almost felt like we humbled them a little bit. 
you know, which sounds completely bonkers. But it felt like the game wasn't going to end until we stuck the ball in, in the back of our own net and they weren't capable of doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, you can see Angie's reaction when the goal gets in and he's he's not looking ecstatic about it. There's a kind of resigned celebration is what I, I read from it. Because like, obviously, if you're playing against nine men, you have to win. And the fact that it very nearly wasn't a victory for Spurs is makes you a little bit uncertain about it. Yeah. And and we even I mean with ten we we created some fantastic chances. We scored you know Yeah. We scored two legitimate goals. Now we can get into that. And probably the the effects of that in a bit. But we scored two legitimate goals. I'm pretty sure the first one was the the, the Diaz did the Diaz goal well the, the Diaz non goal come when we had ten men on the pitch or, or was it Yes. Yeah, yeah I thought so. So so we had you know but I genuinely believe that with 10 men away from home to Spurs, we would beat them. Okay, it was a bit of a joke, the nine men, because clearly we didn't. But I'll tell you what, we actually caused, we still managed to somehow cause a few issues. And we managed to get out at times. We sat in a 5-3, you know, for a good 20, 25 minutes with the added time on there. And looked pretty comfortable. Um, and Spurs had... No, no real answers for for the for the five three low block, and in some ways it was watching a Liverpool. It was watching a version of Liverpool that you never have to watch because we're always so aggressive, and 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 Klopp's side has always been trying to play to win, and and it's so far from being sort of Antonio Conte, Mourinho, low block, Catenaccio, depressing defensive football. We actually saw that we could do it really well, you know, for an hour with the Ted men and, and for with, for 20 minutes with nine men. Um, so it was almost, I don't want to say like refreshing, but it was quite nice to see us be able to sit in a low block and just be completely comfortable. Now, some of that's driven by Spurs' sort of blunt attack and some questionable ideas from, from Spurs, but... Uh, yeah, it was it was it was interesting looking back. I'm not angry, just disappointed. And not in the players. I'm incredibly proud of the players. We'll uh we'll look at Spurs then, shall we? Because uh last week I uh went on a bit of a rant about Spurs after Arsenal's uh, failure to win against Tottenham. Uh I thought maybe I went a bit too harsh on Tottenham. People are People are pretty happy about Tottenham in general. Maybe I shouldn't have been going harsh on them. And now after this game, uh, I feel like you're agreeing with me a little bit more than you were last week. Um, I was watching this Spurs performance, and like you say, it was a real shame that we didn't get to see an actual proper test for Tottenham because uh, it would have been a good game. Uh, I think if you look at some of the statistics for those times when it was uh, 11 against 11 that Liverpool had, the advantage um the the cool one now is field tilt isn't it and liverpool had good uh field tilt everyone loves a bit of field tilt hey yes i'm not exactly sure what it's measuring but it paints a good image i'm imagining like it's like a seesaw basically and all the liverpool players are standing on one end because they're attacking i think that's just a bit right um but yeah so uh, about Ange, what what was it with his were you worried with the 11 versus 11 or was it just that they weren't uh, as incisive uh, beating 10 and then 9 men that got you worried? Okay, it's not so much what worries me about Tottenham, it's more that if, if they were the benchmark for the form team in the league, then we're going to be title challengers, essentially, right? Can I wait, Can I just talk about Tottenham's form, actually, yeah. just quickly? Because um, I was thinking about this. Because obviously Spurs have totally got away with one this game based on mm-hmm. refereeing decisions. I was thinking to the, for the last few games for Spurs, well, they played Man United and Man U were, were absolutely robbed of a handball for the Romero thing, which ended up being given in the Arsenal match. Um, then they had the game against Brentford where... Um, was it Brentford didn't get a penalty for the Vicario challenge and then Thomas Frank the week after noticed that 
Um, Newcastle did get the penalty for virtually exactly the same instant. Uh, so Spurs should have conceded the penalty against Brentford. And then the, the, there was the Sheffield United game where that was like, you know, 90 plus 8, 90 plus 12 or something for them to win. And then the Arsenal game, which was like, yeah, just really poor from Arsenal. Like there's been a lot of, that's a lot of games so so far this season where there's like, they've just edged it in each one. And I, it doesn't feel like that is going to be a consistent thing for it. So like the, the form, obviously they've been getting good results in terms of the form, but it's like, there's a lot of asterisks on these matches, I feel like. I do agree. That, I do agree. The, the, the issue is, right, because we end up looking at results-based analysis, but it's very hard. And I understand that we shouldn't look at results-based analysis, but if a team does just keep winning, then that gets, you know, rewarded in itself as the sign of champions, blah de blah de blah right? Now, I think, because we could look at we could look at Liverpool and we could say, oh, Liverpool have gone behind multiple times. Liverpool, you know, have conceded in a lot of games. Um, you know, plenty, plenty of situations where we haven't looked invincible, right? But the fact is that we've always, sh- we, we've always shown spirit and character and sort of uh, an ability to, to face adversity and, and come through it, right? And it's tough because you'd need to be challenged to be able to prove that you can overcome challenges. But also in being challenged, you're opening up questions of, well, how good are you if you're being challenged, right? So it's, it's, so it's very hard to, to, to judge it. What we can say, though, is if we're looking at a direct comparison of the two, when Liverpool have gone behind, there haven't really been too many doubts uh, in in myself anyway there's a there feels like an invincibility that is back at Liverpool where if we go behind I still fully expect us to win which wasn't the case last year um but also when we've gone behind and gone on to win you know they've been 3-1 wins against uh Wolves against West Ham I know it went to 1-1 rather than 1-0 down um but there's been more yeah so there's, it's been far more convincing. Whereas Sheffield United coming through in the 90th and the 95th minute or whatever, yeah, okay, that's 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 great in terms of a never never say never. It's not over till it's over. Insert cliches, but that kind of you know mindset. But ultimately, it's it's leaving it very late, and it's and it's really going to the wire. And I think that comparison probably isn't there directly with Liverpool where it's been a kind of like there's been adversity but when when there's been adversity we have then breezed through it and looked comfortable afterwards I don't think Spurs are facing adversity and then looking comfortable during the adversity they are getting over the line though like they did against Liverpool right but it's it but... <sighs> From the first 20 minutes, it looked like they're a team who could be very dangerous in transition, which they have been for many years anyway. But from the last 20 minutes, you'd look at them and say, yeah, okay, they're an attacking side. But if a team camps up in their own third against them, they all of a sudden don't look and and, and says to them, right, come and be attacking and come and dominate the ball and, and have all of the possession. They all of a sudden didn't really looked, look particularly incisive or penetrative right they suddenly looked pretty well they looked like they lacked ideas yeah it will be really interesting to see tomorrow's game uh when they go to kenilworth road um because you imagine Luton will probably sit in won't they i mean that is that is another i don't know i'm gonna say i was gonna be really harsh on Luton to say that compare playing against Luton at home is like playing against Liverpool with nine men. But it's it's going to be defensive, I imagine. It's going to be defensive, but is it going to be well-drilled? Is it going to be organised? Is it going to be... Like they don't have Virgil van Dijk, is my point, but they do yes. have 11 players. But also what we had, what we actually had when we had nine. So, so Klopp, this is a fantastic substitution that he made. He brings on Trent Canate and Endo. I believe. Okay. And we go to a 5-3 
Okay, so we go to a 5-3. Matip, Van Dijk, Kadate as three centre-backs. Trent and Robertson as wing-backs. And then a flat three in front in Endo, Soboslai and McAllister, who then went off for Gravenberch after a little bit longer, I believe. And and that 5-3 actually is an incredibly defensive yet offensive substitution. Because you're playing with nine players, you start playing for set pieces. If you get set pe- if you if you get set pieces, you've got Trent whipping balls in to Matip, Van Dyke, Canate, all like well above six foot four and good in the air. Like there's a whole dynamic to our game there that you know could have um, could have ended up winning us the game. And and that's look. There's nothing to say that. I'm not leaning on any stats or I'm not leaning on any big-headed chances or, or multiple free kicks in dangerous positions one to say that. But that's a, that's a lot for any defensive setup to have to have to deal with, right? Um, and in, in this sort of early stage of the season and, and even early stage of this generation and iteration of Liverpool... As it's now going to, as we're now going to be in and develop, that's it's quite a weapon to be able to have, right? To be able to go down to nine, be incredibly solid, but still pose a threat. To go down to ten in multiple games and and score goals, and we're actually unbeaten, in quotation marks, unbeaten. You know, when we've had ten players, uh, in the sense that in in the time period that we would have had ten, we haven't really like lost that the game in that period, if you see what I mean. So, uh, you know, weirdly, I think I come out of the game genuinely more positive than Spurs fans would. And, and look, I'm not a Spurs fan and I can't speak to them. And maybe some of them are just blinded by the fact that they haven't, they hadn't beaten Liverpool. Yes, they, yes, they are. They are. Home or away in, in six years, right? And now they've won. And, and they'll turn around and say, well, it's about the fact that we got over the line. And I, I get that. I understand that. And that, that, um, argument has been spun by myself that this season f- f- for when Liverpool have faced adversity and come through it but there are different ways I suppose of coming through it and I don't think they showed a sustainable one that was uh, Tottenham uh, so I guess the question is what next because uh, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of wheels turning in what has been happening with Liverpool since and uh, Liverpool managed to get the audio released of the VAR Klopp was talking about getting a replay, something that he would like, of course Uh, what are you feeling about what needs to happen? Okay, we're recording this towards the end of the week with a new round of fixtures coming up ahead of us. I think we have to kind of look through the the fallout that's happened this week. It's been very entertaining. It it wasn't entertaining at the start of the week. It's I'm now finding it entertaining. But the fallout of what's happened. And of course we're talking about the offside. So we had the statement coming out Saturday night from the PGMOL, where they didn't apologise, even though Gary Neville insisted that they've apologised now. Let's all move on. You've got to accept that. Um, Gary Neville impression of the week. There you go, Gary Neville impression of the week. Um, he insisted that we should accept our apology and move on, even though we hadn't had an apology at that point. We had just had the admittance of a significant human error with no apology in the statement. Okay. We've got Gary Neville saying that it's a shocker, saying it's the worst one, saying all of this. We had Sky not actually showing the clip or talking about the clip until the second half had already kicked off and then we cut back to the game that had just kicked off because they crammed it in at the very end, which screams out to me, and other people have highlighted this as well, that there is clearly some direct communication going on with... with some people higher up making decisions in in the Premier League, okay, and with officiating because I'm because that's a scandalous moment that they didn't want to discuss until it was 
highlighted with complete outrage on Twitter. B and Sport put their line on it, and you had Richard Keys um, claiming that they'd done their job properly and that no one else was doing it and that they were the first people to show the correct lines and show that it was onside, etc., etc. And you know you've had a howler when he's, you know, the the beacon of hope. Big ups of the week to Richard Keyes, is that what we're saying? No, Richard Keyes will never get big ups of the week, I'm afraid to say. If people are listening weekly for uh, the Richard Keyes big ups for the weeks, then they can stop listening now. Um, indefinitely because it's never going to happen so you know anyway that first statement comes out and then look uh, there's a lot of conversations around it there's Klopp's interviews which I thought he handled very well in the moment Um, we then get the audio released we then get Gary Neville flip-flopping about and having said that it was brilliantly handled initially he starts criticising our club statement, Liverpool's club statement, which says that they're looking to escalate things, which they never said at that point that they wanted to replay. Yeah, But I I should just point out that it was the Liverpool statement uh, that got issued in between the uh, non-apology and the audio getting released. Like It felt like there was, and that was a necessary step for us to even hear the audio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was crucial. Look, the incompetence led to led to you in. Okay, the incompetence allowed fans to claim corruption. Yeah. And I don't genuinely believe there is corruption involved around Liverpool Football Club. I know that's a that's a joke where every fan thinks that, you know, there's an agenda against their club. I don't genuinely believe there is an agenda or corruption against Liverpool. There can be bias in certain directions because everyone's human. And, and I don't know. And, I'm, and look, we're a big club and I think there's a bias towards big clubs in, in a lot of moments. I think there's also a bias against big clubs in other moments when they feel like there is such a bias towards big clubs that they end up cancelling out that bias, I think, sometimes. But this is all just if, buts and maybes. The, the truth of it is, is that... that as soon as the audio isn't, as, as soon as there's a howler like this and the audio isn't released, you ha- you open the door to ridiculous claims of corruption, right? So they have to release the audio to be able to snuff out any of that. Now, the audio doesn't cover any of them in glory apart from the replay operator. And it just shows what a shambles it is. Um, and it was painful to listen to, but also just quite funny to listen to. But look, we got our hands on it. It's very funny, very funny. It's just, it's just a mess, and it actually leaves. It's quite incredulous that you can have. We're here worrying about the millions being spent on players. The you know, have you got it right because you've missed out on a signing and you've replaced this guy, and then at the end of the day. It's all being, it's all being, it's all being run by incompetence at the highest level. And we're so obsessed, week in, week out, all of the minute details are so crucial. It's just, it's it's almost hilarious that you've got players who, you know, can't eat ketchup or... They, they're not allowed to go skiing because of their multi-million pound contracts and there are certain things they're not allowed to do because there could be injuries related to it. And despite all of this, at the end of the day, you've got some bloke saying, hang on, that's not right, that, Daz. Daz, that's not right, that. And then them deciding, you know, oh, well, we've taken a defensive set piece in Spurs' own third God forbid we pull the game back now, even though we pull the game back all the time in other moments. And the when game a corner will... is taken, when there's pushing in the box, or uh... yeah, or, or when there's when there's a, I don't know, when there's a, uh... if the free kick's not taken in the right place, when there's a potential penalty, and then you keep playing just in case, and they'll check it in the background, but we'll keep playing while they're there, and all of that play could just you know go back to to where the penalty was decided and all be ignored. And then all of a sudden we're acting as if we're going to, we've, we've, you know, in Loki, when there's the splinters of the parallel universe, we're acting as if like 
the universe will come tumbling down because there's a new reality that's been that's that's been set upon its path like come on what what on earth is this and it just shows the incompetence that that there's no there's no i don't know is there space for common sense do they have common sense to enable common sense is is madness i've got a new hack by the way uh if you ever concede a goal yeah what you've got to do is you just got to take a goal kick really quickly uh and then the referee just like can't stop you because you've taken a, a set piece yeah because it's kicked off uh, now yeah, and yeah everyone in piece everyone of play that we can't that go back up absolutely yeah, i think uh i think um i saw a clip of goldbridge talk about this and i think he put it best in that the cuz uh, you know I, I there's not corruption i don't think and there's not uh it, is i don't think they're like deliberately backing spurs or whatever but goldbridge described it as the referees willingly not giving the goal because that that is what it is like there is nothing really that's stopping them from uh making that call and getting onto the ref and saying yeah actually this should have been a goal like or, or even just say it to the ref and then let him decide yeah cuz i think was it the var was it the var operator that was the one saying delay 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 all the time but it was just felt like no one was listening to him like i don't know why People are like, ah, oh, nah, I can't do anything. That's what I they're think, saying, pretty much. I think it opens up. So apparently, this VAR, this head of the operations or something of that, of that. I don't think he's a head or anything. He's just, he's just like a, he's a young guy, isn't he? He's a young Dutch guy. He's just like doing the replays, right? Is that what you're talking about? Well, I think there were two people involved. Okay. He was I the believe. good one. The, the, the Dutch there was guy. the replay operator. Oh, I see. The person who gave the clip, and then that replay operator says, Ollie's saying to delay. Ollie's saying to delay. Because the replay operator says, the basically, they give. he's in charge of finding the right clip, or the right still, I believe, for them to then draw their lines on and make it, use the technology to draw the lines on and make the judgment of. And then he says, you, I think even the way he says it is like, a, I'm not allowed to make a decision here because the way he says, are you happy with this image? Is like, is it, all I'm allowed to do is lip. provide you with the image. Are you happy? You're saying that it's offside, but I've prov- I'm, I'm seeing that I provided you with an onside image. Are you happy with the image I've provided if you're going against what it's saying? Right, it's like it's like when you're talking to a client and they're just like one track mind or something, and you want to like get them to reconsider, but without actually saying like I think you're wrong with this. Precisely, like it's, it's that. Yeah. Precisely, it's that kind of like you know, it's your decision to choose what car you're gonna have. I, I'm not at fault, but I, what you're doing is yeah I don't yeah with. you're yeah. making I, i'm and and it's almost like a i'm not trying to step on toes because you're the referees and i'm not a qualified referee but can you confirm that you're happy with what i've done here because there's clearly incompetence being shown <laughs> and as long as you can say to me like you're happy with what i've done i feel like it's what my boss is uh, what i have to do to my boss sometimes yeah when, when he's when there's authority when they're like oh, i need to do this and you're like right i've you know that this is the wrong thing and you're like right are you happy with what i've provided because of what you've asked me to do and they're like yep and you're like right and and you remember you're going to remember this conversation yeah where i'm telling you that this is what you've asked for, so this is why I've done it. So in half an hour's time, when you realise that this isn't helping anything, yeah, and they're like, yeah, and you're like, well, okay. And then he starts saying, Ollie's calling into delay. Ollie's calling into delay. And I don't Who know is if there's Ollie, a. By the way? Uh, I saw the full name, but I can't remember. I think that might be the Dutch guy. Uh, I see. Ollie Kohout, the VAR executive, okay? So this guy, Ollie Kahoot, like K-O-H-O-U-T, who I assume is the, did you say Danish guy? Dutch guy. Um, I believe that he has got some degree in like technology and sports and he, he, like he's the VAR executive, but then isn't a referee in a way. So wouldn't be, 
You know what actually struck me as, and I and this is this is speculation, and I don't I, obviously I don't I don't know, yeah, and and none of us really know, but it struck me as almost like snobbish refs not being wanted to te- be told how their job should be done by somebody who is more adept with the technology but doesn't have as much experience as actually refereeing a game, right? And and realistically, what you need in in a VAR room, I'm sure refs have trained on it, you know, and all of this, but referees aren't chosen to be referees because of how good they are at being video assistant referees. Does that make sense? I could be fantastic at my job, but as soon as my job becomes something where I need, I'm, I'm doing the same job, but sort of, I need to now have IT skills to do my job. I might not be as good at my job anymore. But I have it because of the experience I have of being on field or being practical and and being able to manage a game. You know, there are skills that are kind of right. If we if we had like FIFA cards of, of of refs, yeah. They would be kind of like unquantifiables, right? The, the, only un, like unquantifiable because we don't understand them in the sense of like game management, feeling the flow of a game, even just communication with, with other players on the pitch whilst everything's moving at 100 miles an hour, how you carry yourself to demand respect and, and how you treat others on the pitch to to be respectful and also have respect. All of these things are things that would make, I think we can all agree would make a good referee, but they don't necessarily make a good VAR technician, if you like. It's a different job. And so I feel like this Oli Kohout or Kohout or or however you say his name, apologies, my dear Oli, who is the only one with competence, it seems. But... If he's a VAR executive, I reckon he's very good with the technology and has a great understanding of the technology, right? And how it should be used and, and, and things like this. But ultimately, you've got referees who have lots of other, and I'm being nice here, lots of other fantastic qualities that make them a fantastic referee. But that doesn't mean that it translates to you being a good VAR. Is is my Is my feeling about things. And maybe... This Ollie guy doesn't have respect from referees because he's never gone to a ref a game, which would be completely fair enough. But it's not it's maybe not as transferable as we're all assuming it is to then make it easy for Darren England, who could be a fantastic referee, but not a great video technician or or whatever. But ultimately, it's just a breakdown of communication and it's infuriating and. But I, I think that is one of the issues with the VAR, isn't it? Is that uh, the the referees making the step up to it hasn't been uh, seamless, and uh, we've had a few comments from referees and ex-referees talking about how they are a bit tentative in going against the decisions of other referees. And you, you know, we talk about this moment where they're saying like, uh, "Are you happy with this image or whatever it was?" And it was like. You you do just need someone who is gonna push the on-field referee with their decisions, and uh, yeah, I don't know because it's with the Curtis Jones thing as well. When it's like um, the 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 screen is like Klopp spoke about this. The screen is a freeze frame of Jones going over on the ankle, and uh, when they released that batch of VAR audio like earlier in the season for the first time. Uh, I was quite shocked at seeing like how much the VAR referees are um, are like leading the referee in into making a decision before he's even got to the monitor. They're saying like, "Oh yes, we think you've missed this, and that this has happened." Like it, it just just feel that because they're all referees, they're like, yeah, either they're not stepping in, or when they do step in, the on-field referee is automatically going to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to just go with what my mates." telling me in my ear when I'm going over the field to, to look at this decision. Absolutely, absolutely. And and there's and look, there's trust there and there has to be trust there. But if there is trust there, then it's that whole thing of, well, why 
you know, the, the decision always gets overturned as soon as they go to the monitor because they're being told by ultimately someone that they have learned to trust and that they are pally with and believe that is sending them there for all of the right reasons that there is something that they have missed. So automatically you're going to change it. There's just no way that you wouldn't, right? Um, because it is essentially, as Mike Dean says, your mate is sending you there saying, look, mate, you've you've missed this and, you know, I'm sending you, you're listening to me because you trust me. And um, and so go and have a look at it. It's like, I'm, I'm giving you a get out of jail card here, mate. Do you want to take it? And And I'm giving it to you because I feel like you need it. Is it Dermot Gallagher, the BB, uh, the BT guy, the the TNT guy? <laughs> is that his name? Dermot yeah. Gallagher, the ref. Yeah. He, uh, you know, because he's well with all these refs as well. Like I feel like he doesn't, you know, it's the thing with him that he goes with the referees on field decision most of the time, and he's not even a referee anymore. Not to just go on a tangent. It's it's the same with the police though, and I don't even mean this in a disrespectful <laughs> way or anything like this, but like okay. This is probably. I feel like this is a cut going. No, 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 no. What, what I mean is, people who deal with the police are either criminals who are being caught and therefore do not respect the police and hate the police. People who are maybe dealing with the police and feel like they're wrongfully being accused of having done something that they haven't purely because they're having to speak to the police, or are people whose cat got stuck in a tree and can't understand why the whole riot force hasn't been dispatched to save, I don't know, their cat or, or their kid or, or whatever and therefore and is in a highly stressful situation and therefore isn't impressed with w- what the police are doing. So there's not enough situations where people are enjoying the company of the police. Hence, why, hence like, leading into people not you know not liking the police or not respecting the police or not you know enjoying being around the police you would get that kind of sense and therefore you all stick up for each other because you're all used to it you're all you're all going through the same thing and therefore you know a policeman is going to stick up for another policeman it might seem a bit extreme but refs if you're dealing with a ref he either hasn't given you a red card that you wanted um, he has given you a re- uh, the, the team the red card, the, the opposition a red card that was deserved, but it was so deserved that he's just done his job and it's just justified anyway. So he's not done anything good. He's just done what he should have done. Or he's given a goal against you or for you, and it's the same principle. It's either unjust or it's either unjust or it's um, completely justified. So then, you know, well, what am I going to applaud him for because he's just done what he should do? And it'd be exactly the same situation. People aren't going to like referees because the situations they have with referees aren't likable situations. So then they are all going to stick up for each other in exactly the same way, because other people won't, and the same with the police. Other people won't. So, and look, I don't know how you you solve that, and, and I don't even know if it needs to be solved. Right? There's no issues with all sticking up for each other, but maybe the referees who have been fantastic referees should just focus on being on-field referees and we could have other people who still respect them but don't have to be best mates with them but who are trained in being a video assistant referee and can can excel in that, you know, area of the game rather than being an on-field referee. There's no shame in, in not being an IT computer guy when you're used to running, you know, 10K regularly and making fast decision calls at a quick pace. Like, that's that's fine, being a different person, having a different skill set. I think uh, one solution that I've seen offered is that uh, there should be, like, a panel made up of different people. So maybe you have an ex-ref, maybe you have an ex-player, and then you have, like, some... VAR wizards or whoever, uh, you know, a bit of everything it goes goes a long way. You do feel a bit bad because a good refereeing performance usually goes unnoticed because that is just the nature of it, isn't it? It's like you're not even thinking about it because everything is going the way that you'd expect it to. Um, yeah, and because they'll just do their job. But at the same time, like just the last few seasons with. Uh, like I was going to say with VAR but it's not the VAR's fault obviously I've seen a lot of people after the Liverpool game being like oh we just need to bin off VAR it's not helping anything but 
Like the uh, the Luis Diaz goal that was disallowed, like the linesman gave that offside anyway. So if there was no VAR, it would still be a scandal, really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That, that that that's not the point. The what uh, <laughs> my my point is like. Uh, but with the last few seasons of VAR, there's uh, been so many errors, like big, serious, meaningful errors that have impacted seasons uh, for teams, and. Um, Every time you just get the same apology from the referees, or the, from PJ Mowell or the FA or whatever. And it's been like three years now, and it's like, what is actually changing? And it's, it's taken this kind of, this effort from Liverpool to push these statements to actually really feel like there's going to be the slightest bit of change, which is, might just be like how the referees communicate with the VAR. Like maybe that would just be all that comes from it. But it just yeah. feels like it's taking so much for an actual progress for VAR to even match what it is in Europe or what it's been at the World Cup, uh, which is, is the frustrating thing. I think whenever there's been talk of internal investigations or reviews or whatever, it has all just felt like meaningless words. And it has just felt like if they say this, they didn't really need to do it. They'll just say it and then people will just kind of move on to the next week because the football will be back and they'll complain again, but then it will just be, you know, the same kind of spiel that they give off. But this does feel like it's created such a talking point that, and it's such a kind of unique, I think my my frustration throughout the week has been, uh, and, and maybe we can kind of close on this, is that it's like you said, this is the first time there's actually, it feels like there's actually could be an opportunity for refs to make meaningful change and it's come about because of the powerful statement from Liverpool because of the absolute nature of the effing howler that they made um, and because it's what it's based around as well is a, an objective offside decision rather than a subjective is Jones a red card or is he not a red card ultimately it's it's a, it's an opinion really um, which I don't think is a red card or whatever that's not yeah. That's not the point either. But but there's there's no rule, is there? Yeah, there is yeah. Like there's no black and white rule. rule. And whereas whereas this is you know there's the technology now to prove that it was on. It proved it was on. They all agreed it was on, and yet it wasn't given. But more to say, what was infuriating as a Liverpool fan was experiencing Saturday night where everyone was, and, and not even like I want people to feel sorry for me but just people were in accordance and, and in agreement that this is just an absolute disaster because it's, you know, factual, factually onside and they've they've messed it up. To then, and Gary Neville's a prime example for this, to then seeing the statement come out from Liverpool, well, sorry, then seeing the statement come out from the PGMOL and everyone being like, oh, this is a disaster, like we knew it was, we, we knew it was bad and, and I wonder what actually has gone wrong. You know, they've got to release the audio, they've got to release the audio to prove it's not corruption and whatever, whatever other, like, um, narratives come out around it. To then Liverpool's statement comes out, which is, like, seen as too strong by some rival fans and being like, oh, I don't cry about it, though. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't go on about it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute, literally yesterday you were telling us how this is a massive scandal as well in agreeing with us. We've now just, you know decided we don't want to accept the apology which hasn't actually come out yet it's purely been a, a you know a statement of how there's been a significant error yeah we, we just decide that actually you know what in this instance that's probably not okay and it's still not enough and we would like to investigate what else could be done because it's it's not right <laughs> it's and and it's you know we say it, it's hurting the integrity of the game which is completely justified and everyone's just turned around being like, oh, you know, well, they won't want to replay when, uh, first off, they're asking for replay, they're asking for replay. Why don't we replay the 2019 Champions League final? Yeah, should we, should we replay? I, like, like, what? I'm it's, so glad you brought this up. Like, it's just insane. Or being like, oh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have a replay of the 2005 Champions League semi-final uh, against Chelsea with the ghost goal. Yeah, should we, should we do that as well? It's like, no, 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 this is just, not what we're talking about here <laughs> you know 
and and if next week, and this is the same point, and then Klopp comes out obviously and asks for the replay, which I thought was actually fantastic because after everyone being incredibly rattled about us asking for it, and Liverpool fans spending the week defending it and being like, we've not actually asked for a replay, but it is just unjust and, a, and an apology won't cut it. He goes, well, the only fair thing is a replay. I know it's not going to happen. Um, and, and and I don't expect it to happen. But if we're being honest here, you know, we've scored a goal that we've been told is a goal and yet it doesn't count. It's, it's, it's the equivalent of the ref writing the score on wrong and then being like, oh, well, it's done now, isn't it? So, you know, we're going to have to stay with it. I wrote a three instead of a two next to, next to uh, Spurs' name. So that's just going to have to be like... Anyway, I've, I've actually wound myself. I've actually been fine yeah. this whole time. Yeah, and now yeah. I've managed no, but to I, uh, wind myself up. I want to talk about this aspect because it is something I've brought up before. I don't know if I said it on the podcast. But whenever there's like just a scandalous refereeing decision that goes against you, like people always have that football tribalism reaction. They're like, oh, well, in my game, well, what about this handball? You didn't get a handball in this game, but four weeks ago, we should have had a handball as well. And it's like people always turn it into my team against your team when really it's uh, it is it is bad for football as a whole. Like no one should be happy with these refereeing decisions happening. Like it, it it's just not the game, is it? So anything we can do to just help the referees so these this doesn't happen again is just a good thing. And you, you can't fix the mistakes in the past. You can't. Uh, you know it, it's it's done isn't it but like this is now this is like the same week as the game and it, it, it is the moment someone someone i spoke to my uh my boss at work came up with a solution for it he came up with a fix for it which i f- i'm pretty sure is stupid but i can't quite yet work out why it's stupid okay he said everyone should start on 10 points Okay, and basically, uh-huh. as the refing decisions happen, uh, any any VAR mistakes can either well, he said would come off the ten points. Oh, so Spurs would lose three points or two points. So I guess Spurs would lose two points, but they were already given a kind of cushion of points anyway. So they've not lost any of the points that they've legitimately earned. No, but they have. They have because they've lost the two. Well, no, but they've not. Because the, uh, yeah, they they're have. only getting one point from this game. It doesn't matter if you had if you had three and then take away two. It's not. It's they're not getting three points, are they? They're getting one point. It make, it's yeah. nonsense. I'm it gonna is say. Not, it makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, but think about it. If this is like a Carl Pilkington idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but would it not work? No. But think about it. No, I mean, the, the 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 main problem with this idea, right? Okay, you're adding 10 <laughs> points. You're admitting that the referees are going to cost error. you three games a season. <laughs> you're just, you're just going to say, like, every team is going to probably lose three games that they shouldn't have every year, and that's fine. Like, what if we just fix the referees? <laughs> before we start. I'm going to go back to him tomorrow, and I'm going to say, I need you to break this down for me again, <laughs> because because it doesn't make sense. It felt kind of great. But there's no reason to add 10 either. Like, you're just adding 10 to everyone. Like, I, I guess you don't want... Like, what, someone who's going to get a VAR decision week one and they'll be on, like, minus three? <laughs> like, if you don't add 10, I mean, that's fine, isn't it? I mean, it's just weird in in many ways. Yeah, but basically, if you're, a te- if you're a team that is that is benefiting often from VAR, it would cancel it out. That's That's what it would do. But you're you're completely right. Maybe stop the team from benefiting often from VAR. You know, it's definitely not foolproof. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Klopp is asking for a replay as well, because you can't referee games after they happen because the games are so fluid and tactical. Oh yeah, you well, game play state, differently yeah, points. literally just just yeah, how it's going to impact. So we would have gone two one up you, and fuming actually, it's ridiculous. You, we would have ten players two one up and they just didn't give it, and then we still it, the whole game oh was completely absurd. The whole game was okay. completely absurd. 
Because We've there were even things. There were even things where Robertson just like plays the ball off their player, and and they just give a corner, and it's just ridiculous. Salah, right? Nick nicks the ball off Romero. It goes in a run, and and then the ball goes in behind from Allison direct. When we and when we have nine players, we have nine players at this point. Salah runs in behind. Romero goes with it. He he waits. He, oh no, it's Papi. It's Pesuma. Sorry, it's Pesuma. He nicks the ball off Pesuma, barely touches him. Despite us having this high threshold this season, where's this high threshold? I hate the threshold. I've watched threshold. seven games so far for Liverpool, and I'm not at any point have seen any high threshold being given in our favour at all ever. Right? It's I've completely seen a high insane. threshold against Saka all season. I can say that the threshold on a foul for or a yellow card for Saka has been pretty high this year. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, and on Salah well, as well. And yeah, as soon as Salah touches this bloke, right? Yeah. yeah, he just hits Where's the deck. Salah complains. He doesn't kick the ball away, and he doesn't even ask for like any stupid thing like asking for a booking, which apparently isn't a thing anymore because Adogi's on the floor on a yellow card asking for a booking. And I've seen the screenshot plenty of times for Jota. Yeah, and then just that's completely fine, you know. And yeah, I've watched McAllister get booked, uh, and plenty of other players for us get booked um, asking Odegaard for a yellow card, and Odegaard as well. Week. Yeah, and, and it's just the whole game was ludicrous, right? Even the fact that Salah runs through and doesn't foul the bloke, and we actually had an opportunity to go on a score, and yet we don't get that. Not only that, he books him instead for it, and yet I've had to watch Oliver Skip two-foot my players, right, and get nothing. I've watched Harry Kane in previous fixtures fly through Robertson, studs up, and get absolutely nothing. You know? Oh, but he's he's an honest lad, isn't he? You know, that's all I get. And, And it's just completely insane. He's gone. Forget about Kane. The game, the game, Sam, was completely absurd. For Jota to get no, two no, no. of those yellow cards, yeah, to have okay, a, a, okay, okay. the red card on Jones where all the force has gone through the ball, the offside, and that's literally, the, that's just the three main big things that happened, and there was just the game littered with with errors. Yeah, well, I, I okay, we we have had a big breakthrough there, I think, but uh, I, there's um, that has really annoyed me this season. The whole. Uh, the whole introduction of the new rules where it's like, oh yeah, there's going to be uh, time wasting, asking for cards and whatever. And I've just been watching so many games this season and people are just getting away with it already. People kicking the ball away. Tarkovsky did it. And then like, uh, you know, I don't know. If you're, you're going to do the it, ball away, do it. Not if you're anymore. not, like, yeah, literally, literally. I'm just watching... I watched Joe Linton ask for a yellow card. We'd had a we had a player sent off that game, and I'm watching this bloke ask for a yellow card on a yellow card and not get given a yellow card. And and what? And you want me to? And the solution that they're coming up with is respect them more. I feel like since uh, Tommy Asu, it's like they've given up a little bit, just because there was so much pressure on them. Like after that, because it was ludicrous. Like it was one of those where. Uh, yeah, they just implemented the rules wrong, and now they're scared of implementing the rules at all. Now, it's just insane. And you know what? I would love. I, I, all, you know, I believe. Of course, I believe it could get better. The amount of money in the game, and everything like that. Of course, it could get better. Of course, it should get better. But it's not going to the referees, though, is it? That's but, the thing. Uh, well, they're yeah, not investing enough. Yeah, in because referees. they're all having to go to the UAE, which is completely scandalous as well. Forty-eight hours before they go into a to ref in a country that owns, you know, rival teams in the Premier League and they get, they're going to get a massive pay packet for it. Even if it's, they're not intentionally lining their pockets, yeah, the, like, even if they're not intentionally getting paid off, I bet they're getting treated well out there. And I bet they've got a great opinion of the place and I bet that rubs off because they are humans, you know, like, that's just what, he, uh, and to top it all off, you know, I'm there thinking, you know, I hope it can get better, but it won't get better. But it has to get better. It does, they don't feel we have any confidence because, at the end of the day, what have they done with Darren England in the in the aftermath of this? They've stopped him from being the ref, I think, or VAR of any Liverpool games this season. He can't. He can't work on any Liverpool games this season. Yeah, which is even more absurd. Because what is it then? Is it corruption? If you're telling me that everyone else has to suffer his incompetence, but apart, you're either telling me everyone else has to suffer his incompetence, but not Liverpool, right? Or you're telling me 
no, he can't be trusted with Liverpool games because he is corrupt and hates them and, and you know, won't be able to stop himself from um, diddling the result. I don't know. Like, what what kind of precedent is that even setting? Diddling. Like, in the aftermath, they've had all this time to make a, a good decision about how to how to turn this around and that's what they come up with like i don't know maybe maybe this is the the police thing again where it's like well whatever they would have done i wouldn't have been happy so they can't win but it doesn't feel particularly logical either and i'm happy to look at things in a logical way the blood pressure's certainly gone up since the start i'm sorry i feel like we yeah it would have been better for your health to wrap this up 10 minutes ago maybe yeah uh, i, I don't know what so. happened we we're talking about your your colleagues solution for fixing the Premier League and uh, it all came out but it's good it's it's good not to let this all uh, build up you got to have some release in your life yeah I think and if you're this right. is what this podcast is doing then it's a I good think thing. yeah I think so I think so it's it's free therapy and you know I'll give you a good dose of it back next week when you lose to City and Saka starts, but the poor broken boy uh, will just, you know, hit both hamstrings. He toppled off three games in a row. <laughs> yeah, this poor little lad that's so lovable and we all like. He's just been. He's played like 86 games in a row. Laid for into Arsenal. the ground like by Mikel Artessa. And he's like, well, Salah can do it, so if you want to be the best, you've got to do 86 it. 86 Liga. Like, we've re-signed Reece Nelson, and it's like, uh, when he's not going to start, is he? It's just always going to be Saka. Score prediction quickly. Uh, right, is Saka going to play or not, Sam? Uh, yeah, I think he will. I'm going to say, I think he'll play. And he'll, he'll go off at 85 minutes for Nelson again. With a knee... Injury or <laughs> whatever. There's I gonna think he's going to break soon, but I think he will start. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go one-one. One-nil to Arsenal. Like the song, hey. Oh, Kai Havertz scored. By the way, eight minutes. By the way, <laughs> Havertz uh, should not have a song. You're saying eight, eight minutes. minutes. Havertz in eight minutes. That's how. No, no, no. That's eight minutes. That's how long Arsenal were singing the Harvard song for after he scored. Sam, that's nothing. 11, 11 minutes, Bobby Firmino, Leicester away. Yep. Yeah, oh, look, okay, this is what I talk about earlier. Like, it's always like, well, my team, like, <laughs> you can never have a moment in football. It's always like, always someone talk about something else happened like three years ago. You know, it's so like right. talking to any Chelsea so fan. Right. They're like, it's so right. and whenever Chelsea lose, they're like, oh, we won it. the Champions League. <laughs> Look at our Champions League from three years ago. Like, it's fine that we've lost to uh, Yeah, but Kai Havertz should have song, Sam. He scored one penalty, cost you 65 million. And I'm sorry for swearing. You're going to have to beep it out because you can't cut this out because it's true. Yeah. Why on earth has he got a song? I'm was, all for that you've got to support him so that he then becomes good. I'm not saying you get on his back, funny, but you have to sing a song a for him song. for eight minutes when he costs you 65 million and hasn't done anything. No, he's played quite well for a couple of games recently sorry i flew off the he's, hand uh, but uh, you're bang on the money it's a good it's a good uh it's a good song it's very funny and it's a very annoying arsenal fans do this as well it's like uh it's like a Stuart lee joke where they make a really annoying song like the saliba tequila song and just do it endlessly like we were away at bournemouth <laughs> that's and not, we were just that's like not a joke really it's loudly no it is a joke because it gets really funny when it's eight minutes in like it's it's annoying it's funny for two minutes it's then annoying for the next five minutes and then <laughs> eventually again. it becomes funny again that's what Stuart Lee does <laughs> and it's so much funnier when it gets to eight minutes because you're like I can't believe this is going on we're away as well we're just like dominating the the, the ear noise <laughs> you know ear noise in the stadium we'll sing it again against City I bet you yeah, yeah, yeah. We've covered everything. I just wanted to get that, that Kai Harvest has and and will score again. Okay. Eight uh, minutes in as well. You, Maybe we can just throw that in there. Why not? It seems fun. Uh, thank you, Toby. I think uh, I think you should probably be thanking me more than I've thanked you uh, based on... Um, that sounds rude, but I mean in a good way in that you've changed your outlook on the whole universe, I think. What, from today? Something's happened. Yeah. What part was that? 
I don't remember talking about that part. Oh, I just feel like you, you're in a better state than you started. Really? But maybe not. <laughs> okay. No, no, no I am, was... I am. But towards the end, I definitely okay. got quite angry, Sam. But it, it was healthy angry. It was healthy angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was venting. Okay. It was venting. When you got a vent, you got a vent. And as long as you're not, like, venting with your fists in someone's face, I think venting's pretty good. Well, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> what have you we... got? <laughs> uh, we've got... Brighton away. Okay, Brighton, yeah, 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 we win yeah. that. We win that. We win that. All right. We'll see. Thank you, Toby. We'll see what happens next week. Goodbye. Thank you very much, mate. You have you have a good weekend. Good luck with the uh, good luck with the city game. Look after yourself and enjoy the football. <laughs>